Welcome to Based on Books, where we read our way through books that have inspired popular TV and film adaptations to see where it all began. I'm Keenan, And I'm Yvette. This season, we are reading our way through The Vampire Diaries chapter by chapter. Today, we're covering chapters five and six of the first book, The Awakening. Boy, I have said this every single episode, but this is the episode where I genuinely mean it. Shit kicks off <laughs> in the best ways. And moves are being made, dear listeners. Let's get into it. Uh, so we start chapter five off with Stefan at the boarding house. Now, if you remember, our lady friends were off in the cemetery and they had a really dangerous encounter with something. And they were able to escape Ooh. by running across Wickery Bridge. Um, turns out that our dear friend Stefan was at the cemetery watching Elena when her friends showed up. You were right, Keenan. I think that Blood Pact had a lot of power behind it because he says that he feels some sort of extra power that, like, drives him nuts. Well, human blood. He describes human blood as, like, better than a fine wine. He, like, waxes poetic about the, the enticing nature of human blood. And what do these girls do? Just prick their fingers and make a blood pact apropos of just a, a boy? I, I'm wondering also, is the power... Yeah. This other outside force? Is it just the thing that they generate? It sounds like it does have some just outside connection to the universe. Because he says that there is mm -hmm, something mm -hmm. else there. And he doesn't know exactly what this thing is. It sounds like it could be evil. He watches them in the graveyard. Yeah, but he was already in the area because he was feasting, right? He, sh mm -hmm. he shows up back at his boarding house, blood drunk. Yeah. Like, he had a grand old time in the woods, but he also talks about thing. He talks about, like, looking out for her. And every time he says her, it's italicized. And it's obviously Elena, but it's also, like, Catherine. And it feels like he's, like, losing sway over that aspect of him that differentiates between the two. Stefan is getting more and more wrapped up in these memory sequences. I also get a sense of, like maybe resentment for this kind of draw mm. that he feels from Elena because it is always italicized and there's that gives me a feeling of he's also like oh why is she here because as soon as he saw her that first time and was like oh my god she looks like Catherine yeah. it was like how dare she remind me of this woman he goes deeply into these memories of like when he's all you know blood drunk at the boarding house he goes into these memories of being in his classroom and just staring at her and full-on fantasies of draining her blood um, yeah. and then being like, oh God, yeah. I need to it stop. Seems, it seems like um, vampirism specifically significantly tied to the idea of control, like personal control. It seems like there are powers bubbling just under the surface of Stefanio and he's had trouble <laughs> in the past controlling these powers, I assume, based on his hesitation to return to quote-unquote society he mentions being in a lot of pain um like yeah. his mouth hurts Physical. at the yeah. thought of of like being so close to this person who he wants to actually kill and having to stop himself i'm not saying that that's a good thing i'm not excusing that mm. because even he knows that that's a yeah. really bad thing but it, it makes sense now i think perhaps that's why elena was like wow he sounds like he's legit unhappy when he was talking mm -hmm. to matt because she's nearby and he can't escape her. We also learned that while he got high on this power surge, he also, not able to control his bloodlust, he went and attacked a homeless man who was under Wickery Bridge. Fucking hell, dude. And I felt so Pardon my bad for this man. Yeah, same. Homeless people never deserve anything bad to happen to them. But ooh, 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 very, very eerie stuff. He sm seems like he smells or senses the blood of this blood pact and it sends him into a frenzy for human blood and so he has to seek out this poor man just trying to get some shut eye in the worst possible place while he's thinking about all of this stuff he's also thinking about matt and his uh kind of budding friendship but he's only letting matt in so much which matt later mentions that you know He's not really letting him in a ton, but he's trying. And Stefan, I, I wrote this mm -hmm. quote down. Stefan has a moment where he's feeling really bad about, I guess, lying to Matt because he's such a good person. And Stefan says, looking into that honest, smiling face, Stefan had been overcome with shame. 
If you knew what I was, you wouldn't smile at me, he thought grimly. I've won this competition of yours by deception, and the girl that you love, you do love her, don't you, is in my thoughts right now. This is like all that's going through his head right after the football tryouts. <laughs> yeah. He's obviously lonely. Matt, in his, in his way, immediately locks in on the loneliness that Stefan must feel, mm-hmm. um, which is really a really poignant aspect of Matt's character is being able to identify the aching of somebody else. He continually transcends the whole high school jock stereotype, which I love. But yeah, that was a really, it's a really powerful quote from Stefan about, uh, you know, if you knew what I was, you wouldn't, we wouldn't be talking, we wouldn't be friends. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if it alludes to maybe the potential direction that Matt's storyline might go. I mean, based on the show, he, he takes a pretty hard line stance against magic, against vampires, pretty much as soon as he leaves high school. And um, I don't know if this is alluding to the potential of that, the potential of some schism, but for now, it's it's nice to see uh, Matt getting along with somebody. It's nice to see Stefan starting to think about maybe breaking down some of his walls. But either way, it's a sad it's a sad exchange, for sure. When Stefan goes back, goes to the boarding house, a lot of this is in Stefan's head, by the way. This is why we're still at the boarding house. And we meet Mrs. Flowers, the lady who runs the boarding house, and she just seems like this nice old lady who thinks she's dealing with a normal teenager, who's like been out really late and she's like oh Mm -hmm. it's just you boy (laughs) he he looks at her he says her smiling face and her like darting little eyes and he mentions he wonders if there's a secret in her eyes and i'm like is there what do we we not know about mrs flowers i'm also ready to find out that mrs flowers is like some random witch or something i don't know <laughs> i know that'd be great i'm that'd prepared great. actually that would be great i'm, I'm I, I want that i'm ready for this to be like to take a, a harry potter mrs fig kind of turn mm-hmm. <laughs> you know where yeah, suddenly yeah, it's like oh she knows yeah. about the wizarding world and you know this woman is like ah yes vampires <laughs> Stefan goes to his room and we find out the vampires can sleep <laughs> yeah or like some semblance of sleep and I guess they can dream too, but they don't close their eyes. Yeah, it's hard to... Yeah, he talks about that being a, a, a dream and not a, a memory. But it seems like they're one and the same. I don't know. But an interesting point, before the dream fully manifests and he, he wakes up startled, the more we learn about Catherine, the more we see Catherine through these memories, the more genuine and, and gentle that she seems in an innocence almost and it's hard for me to separate what i know of the vile survivalist catherine of the tv series versus this innocent very gentle person and i i I constantly am wondering if there's going to be a shift in her character if she's playing some mind game i i don't know i'm very I'm very locked in to want to think that, but I, I'm enjoying learning more and more about her through these memories. I've just, I think, locked into the thought of that they've just switched the personalities. Because, yeah, the TV show Catherine was the conniving one, and Elena was the really sweet girl next door. We think that the reason might be because, for TV purposes, Often, I think writers might feel that it's easier to connect to someone who's very girl next door like Elena in the TV show, Mm -hmm. as opposed Mm -hmm. to you getting a a very Elena in the books who is much more, you know, queen bee of the school. It's it's a kind of gossip girl sort of motif, but you're trying, they were trying to play into the whole Twilight Bella Edward thing. So you have to have a a little little more of a, a little bit. You know, yeah, like a girl next door kind of thing. And it's an easier, for lack of a better word, it's an easier, more human story to tell. You have an innocent girl who's had a lot of tragedy in her life, meets a mysterious man who sweeps her off her feet into this world of magic that she's caught up in. and, And that's, you know, that's the pitch for the show. It's harder to sell that same idea when that girl has a lot more agency and a lot more power and knows her power in the way that elena does and so flipping that might have been a way of of telling a different albeit same story you know the more i read elena the less i like her um (laughs) in small ways which i i like a little bit i like a i like a narrator who's who knows their power i I like like a narrator who, who, who knows their agency yeah i like it for a book it's just the words and it's just the thoughts and so you can you can 
you know, wrap your mind around the rationale of some of these harder choices that Elena's making. Definitely. Which we'll see, especially chapter six, she starts making some choices that I'm not a big fan of as, uh, as another, as you know, but, um, mm-hmm. but we'll get there, but we'll get but, there. But for now, um, this was one of my favorite memories of, yeah. of Stefan and Catherine. So this bit we're about to get into. They're in the Italian countryside home and it's in the middle of the night, I guess. And it's Stefan outside by a fountain with Catherine, and he's describing how lovely she looks in the moonlight. And yeah, she she seems like a very sweet person. She's talking about, um, you know, how she can she can go out into the sun. She just doesn't because it tires her out. But she has a ring that she wears that allows her to do that. So we get our first mention of daylight rings, which we had talked about a tiny bit because Stefan has a ring that he mm-hmm. he wears, and he seems to have Catherine's ring. Like around, yeah, um, it confirmed it that that it is the the lapis lazuli ring that he carries around his neck, which matches her eyes. Catherine has these rings or this ring that allows her to be in the sun, but she says that the sun has always tired her out because she's always been a little weaker, as she says. And she mentions that when Mm -hmm. she was a human, um, she was very sick and she was going to die, but her maid. Gudrun, who is still with her um, and seems to be just a regular human being, went and got in the occult. Apparently, I'm assuming so. Yes, because she knows a lot. Gudrun went out and found Klaus, who (sighs) we know from the TV show. I don't know. We don't know any other things about Klaus in the books, but in the TV show, Klaus is one of the original vampires. And cue heavy metal music. Oh boy, (laughs) and. In in the show, he had this whole problem with Catherine because he wanted her, but then, like, he needed her for stuff, and she ran away from him for hundreds of years. And yeah, there's eight and a half thousand plot lines. Yeah, and so there's there's that aspect of it. And so here, all we know so far is that Gudrun knew that this man is a vampire, and he could help little Catherine. And so mm-hmm. Catherine um, says that this man came into the room with Gudrun, and he drank all of her blood, so we get this process of becoming a vampire which i said sounds a lot more simple and less scary quite honestly she mentions like yeah. having her blood um, drawn and at first it hurts and then afterwards it feels like nothing and it feels very calm yeah a really easy blood transfusion yeah which, and it's it's hard to it's hard to tell how much blood from her he drains and exchanges for his own blood but it, it sounds it like it's seem... a lot of her blood but like just before she dies yeah. And then he gives her yeah. some of his blood, and then they just wait. <laughs> and then they just hang out. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing about there's not what the sh- the show has this driving force about vampirism where when you're turned within the first twenty four hours you have to consume human blood to or else you'll you'll die and that's how that's how the curse or whatever uh, solidifies within you. But in this, it's just kind of you wait, and then you realize that you you had to drink some blood. And so her, her helpful maid just brings her animals and things like that, while mm-hmm. Klaus, you know, in his Klausiness, goads her into drinking human blood because he wants that power. But um, but overall, the, the process seems a lot more milder than I was expecting, yeah. to be quite honest. And and like you said, yeah. the the animal blood isn't isn't about like completing a transformation. She Gudrun brings in or tells her, hey, you don't have to hurt anybody. You can survive off of animals and that seems to work for yeah. Catherine just fine because she yeah. she also says that apart from Klaus trying to be like, but hey, what if you drink more human blood? You'd be more powerful. Do- we don't know yet. Yeah. It doesn't sound like he's pressuring her too much. Uh, Catherine mentions to Stefan that she takes drawing blood or maybe she's alluding, I think, to turning somebody as a very serious thing. Um, and she mm-hmm. says, I don't think this is the thing to be done lightly. I will take human blood only when I have found my companion, the one who will be by my side for all eternity. Yeah. Um, and this makes heavy, Stefan heavy happy stuff. because he thinks oh, that boy, it's going to be him. He feels special and he feels like, you know, they've got really something. And he says at the end of that part your, that all of this vampire. was <laughs> all of this was changed when Damon showed up again and he God ruined his it. plans. <laughs> God damn it, Damon, you sultry um, mother. I just want to touch on one one more thing um, about the transformation. It seems like this is setting the stage for kind of a strata of vampire abilities. And, and with Klaus, 
kind of goading her on to consume human blood. It seems like there are aspects of vampirism that are only achieved with that full, you know, transition into into feasting on humans, that full life presence thing. And so maybe, you know, when she talks about feeling weak all the time and she talks about exhausted in the sunlight, she it, it sounds like she's she's kind of permanently in that transitional phase of vampirism and because she she thinks it's not it's a thing not to be done lightly she hasn't made that step so um mm. so maybe maybe the process it maybe the maybe the vampire process is actually more involved than this oh. sets out to be and and she's just forever locked in the early stage of it interesting so she she has the aspects of you know eternal youth and and never gonna die all that all that you know surface level stuff but but the true power the true abilities of vampires as we know them in this series aren't realized within you until you take that carnal step it's fascinating that you you read it that way for keep in mind we still haven't even read the word vampire yeah yeah there's it's heavily implied now based on the amount of blood going on in this chapter maybe something will be will be explained as like all of our human friends <laughs> get involved in this universe. Mm-hmm. Another thing I wanted to point out is that it sounds like, and I, I like this, it sounds like Catherine is still a relatively young vampire when she meets the Salvators because she mentions to Stefan in that same memory that soon she'll have to leave her father's house. Like she's spending time at the Salvators in Italy because to help her with her sickness, supposedly, but her family's still alive, and she's kind of sad about the fact that soon she'll have to leave because it's been a little bit, and they're going to start noticing that she isn't going to change. She hasn't aged, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, her, her very human maid is still around, still helping her. So she's yeah. de- she's less than, less than I'd say less than uh, five years. I would think so, too, yeah. Transition. I, yeah, I'd put it at that young. Whereas in, in the show, she had like a full three centuries on the yeah. Salvatore brothers. Which, but they also weren't turned until mm-hmm. the Civil War era, so the timetables are already skewed based on mm-hmm. Stefan being o- over 500 years old now. Catherine in the show was maybe 200 years older than the Salvatores, mm-hmm. and that gave a very different dynamic, like power dynamic to her, which worked again for yeah. the version that they gave of her. Her version was yeah, like our book, absolutely. Elena. So she had all of this like there's more ma- a manipulativeness to her character and so having that power dynamic that like upper hand of she's very good at being evasive she can you know she has more of a handle on her powers that worked for the show she's and, been in the game yeah <laughs> a long time and so it's a different yeah here. and also the the show had um a very hard and fast rule about the older you are as a vampire the more powerful you are and so that's what made that's partially what made her such a, a a driving force for the Salvators was that she was genuinely just stronger than them because she had X number of years ahead of them when, mm-hmm. when she turned. So then he has he keeps having all these different memories. He keeps thinking of a lemon tree and, and like Damon's face and Catherine and all these different things that he experienced when when I think he was transitioning early on. And I'm like, what is up with this lemon tree? It keeps going back to don't go near the lemon tree and like the light behind the lemon tree. And I'm like, is this where he turned? That lemon tree has some big yeah. significance. There's like a, there's like a flash. He sees like his, he sees Giuseppe holding a sword at one point. So there's, there seems like, there seems to be uh, potentially, you know, Catherine's secret is divulged and the town or, or Giuseppe at least rallies against the evil and maybe maybe the lemon tree is the defining moment of we have to put this creature down and so we'll take her behind the lemon tree yeah. or something don't go back there Stefan, for your own sake and he like goes like, back there don't of see her um, or <laughs> yeah yeah don't watch this gruesome a- i mean part of part of this is also based on the show where giuseppe you know has has his whole heel rallies against mysticism in a hard way um in the show in the civil war era but the lemon tree is definitely a symbol that came out of nowhere but I, I will definitely see more of. I would think so, because they made a big point of that lemon tree. <laughs> um, mm-hmm, so he, mm-hmm. he kind of wakes up, you know, he can't really stay in bed for too long. And he wakes up thinking that Damon might be near. And he thinks, like, is he out there? So he stands, like, at his window. 
and he uses his power. And I was like, is this like the force? Like in Star Wars, like the force? Because he like sends yeah. a thought out. He thinks out Damon and he says he pushes it out with the power and everything fell into stillness and silence and he's listening and there's nothing. And it, it's so far reaching that he notices like the town is sleeping. There isn't really anything mm-hmm. going on in the town either. It's like, dang, that's a lot yeah. of power. But he hears Damon's he hears Damon's laughter mm, yes. in the dream. And it's described as being like right next to him mm-hmm. in this dream. Like as he's picturing this lemon tree and Giuseppe with the sword and all of this early hazy memory stuff he hears like the the shriek of damon's sinister laughter and he's like it's too close mm-hmm. yeah he's here and he like he like starts awake and he's like on high alert and i imagine him like perched at the top of this boarding house like a gargoyle like <laughs> furiously thinking about like mm, damon <laughs> where are you oh it's just a, a sleepy little town of blood bags i mean human <laughs> um but yeah no it's it's definitely another example of what exactly is this power? What exactly can Stefan do? He can obviously compel people. He can <laughs> can blend in. He's stronger, faster, arguably smarter than that of a regular human. And but he can send is, this like telepathic message with it. Yeah, yeah. He, he seems like, to probe. have a level of psychic ability. <laughs> yeah. That it's is that just him? Is that all vampires? We'll see. Who knows? We'll see. I'm ecstatic to find out. I tell him I'm on the edge of my seat with this <laughs> force power stuff. It's it's very different, and I love it. Yeah. So that's him, and we move on to Elena. That's, yeah. We leave him Oof. at the boarding house. We move on to Elena, and Elena is just continuing to plot. She has a plan B <laughs> that is quite convoluted and seems to be effective for what she wants to do. So they're it's at the most school. teenage plan ever is, is it what is. it is. It's the, it the is, one plan it? she's had so far that I'm like, genuinely, that's something a 17 year old girl would probably think of. Yeah. It makes zero sense, but. But it works. Yeah. For her. What's wrong with it? It works for what she wants to mm-hmm. do. And so, so they're at school and poor little Francis again, our little minion shows up. She's got some hot gossip to like share with Elena about Stefan. There's a rumor going around the school. And something's going on. And Elena's like, yeah. I don't care. Do we care? Meredith, Bonnie, do we care? And everyone's like, yeah. nah. Who, who's Stefan? We don't get, we don't. Who, who is he? Who yeah, is he? We're I don't over know that. him. And yeah. she, Francis is like, oh, oh okay. Are, but like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, no. Also, I wouldn't want to do that to my French boyfriend, Jean-Claude. And I'm like, who? What? Jean-Claude? What? Jean-Claude? She says she has a French boyfriend that she left in France. And she pulls out a Polaroid of this shirtless Frenchman standing in front of some hibiscus uh, bushes. And he's just like, he's 21. Uh, It would, it would, my, my aunt obviously doesn't approve so we have to keep it secret don't tell anyone about this francis and so francis runs off for francis before francis runs off and she's like okay great this tasty piece of john claude gossip though yeah and bonnie is like dang it i wanted to know what the gossip was about stefan and elena and meredith are just like oh you don't have to know anything because we made it up and she's like what oh yeah we started that that stefan is a narc And that's why he's running around with, like, glasses and he wears, like, all of these, like, weird clothes, like, you know, fancy clothing. And she, and Bonnie's like... Weirdest thing in the world. Bonnie's like, but wait a minute, have you thought that it could be true? I love how, like, into it Bonnie gets and she's like, hold on. Full-blown conspiracy theorist. But what if he is? He lives alone? Yeah. He dresses like a cop? And she's like, she's like, Francis is going to tell everybody about Jean-Claude, supposedly. And she's like, that's exactly what I want. I want everyone to think... That I was never really interested in Stefan, and that I have my own mm-hmm. sexy, mysterious Frenchman off in France. Yeah. So that whole embarrassing debacle about not being able to talk to Stefan, it really means nothing because I don't actually care about him. He so... ignored her once, and now it's the game of, well, he doesn't even exist. That is brilliant, Keenan. If people believe it, yeah. that is brilliant. Because mm. what a way to save face. It didn't matter because yeah. you didn't actually feel embarrassment 
because you don't care about some teenage boy. You have a 21-year-old yeah, Frenchman. Yeah. Which, by I'm the way... I'm above it all. My tastes are elevated. Yeah. And refined. So you think you guys I, had yeah. a nice laugh at my expense. You don't hold a candle to this. Let's have a serious talk here. This is my, oh my, my serious piece that I need to bring up. In real life, we do stand a teenager for a teenager. Why? Yeah, because yeah, we do, we do if there stand. Is, <laughs> if there is a full 21-year-old man going after a 16 or 17-year-old girl, you run. There is no reason that's why. That's not a relationship. Mm-mm. That is grooming. That's not a relationship at all. That yeah, is, that's not a relationship at all. There is no reason why a full adult man should be dating a teenager if he cannot date nope. his own 20-something-year-olds. There's something wrong with that man because other 20-something-year-old women are like, nope. So he's going for yeah. the younger people. Don't believe that lying scum. Yeah, good lord. Come on. He, I mean, I want to see that Polaroid. A shirtless Frenchman in front of some hibiscus. Yeah, he, I'm sure you could get he it. He sounds like he's great. But... He lives in the French Riviera. Who, by the way, he was Elena's gardener. He was the gardener and he was yeah, married yeah. with two kids. <laughs> married two kids. Which So so in reality, Jean-Claude, proud of you. You, you got yeah. a life, you got a family, you got a job. It's all we can ever ask for. And it's also good to know that this hair-brained scheme of Elena's works. And within the freaking day of this hot goss getting out, people seem to have completely forgotten about this exchange that happened in class. I, I, mean, I, I wonder her crazy plan works to an extent. Stefan still doesn't give any shits, but, um, but the plan seems to work and she's off scot-free, not having to reveal her emotions yeah. to any of her high school friends. So the day keeps going and they end up going over to Bonnie's house where we find out that she has, first of all, a fat old dog <laughs> a fat old Pekingese, and I love that. Mm -hmm. I love um, him too. What was his name? His name is like. Is it? His name is great. It's like. Uh, isn't he named after that river in China? Yeah, he's named after the Yangtze. Yes. It's the, his name is Yangtze. Yangtze. <laughs> and yeah. and he's like yeah. tries to bite at Elena. He's so spoiled. Um, and the only yeah, it's he. He's the gateway into us discovering a lot about Bonnie. A that she has a family. She has a sister. Um, a mother. A mother who's still in the picture, not in the show, and an older sister who's uh, 19. named Mary. She's 19, and she's a she's nurse. She's 19, and she's, a, she's working as a nurse, so she's probably exhausted all the time, and I want to give her a socially distant hug. Yeah. But um, but that's a different topic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she finds, yeah, we, we meet, she also has the most Scottish last name, which is great, because it's just, you know, it furthers, it furthers what I said last episode about this this book is playing a lot with the ideas of of region and location and and where you draw your power from with within your personal ancestry which i i it might be a, a wild tangent that actually has no bearing to the story but i i like finding out the origin the kind of ancestral aspects of these characters yeah especially bonnie as we as we see her own abilities kind of hone in and develop so what is her last name keen <laughs> I can't, I, I'm not going to try and pronounce it. I've glossed through it over the book. It's not hard. It's like McCullough. I, I, I assume... I'm assuming that it's McCullough. Yeah. It's M-C-C-U-L-L-O-U-G-H. So yeah, we're going to yeah. go with and McCullough. You, and you only pronounce half those letters. If, if you actually know how it's pronounced, if we're saying it totally off, please tell us. But yes, so... Yeah, email us. Mary and Bonnie McCullough. Um, and so Mary's mm -hmm. sister is super tired from her shift and is like unpinning her hair from this cap she's got and she's telling them like hey all of you need to stop going out to the cemetery because there was this old man who was attacked there last night thankfully he did not die but he's in urgent care getting a, a blood transfusion he had almost and no everyone blood left thinks in his he's body. crazy he's this poor uh, you know unhoused person yeah. who is saying that someone People, yeah. bit him and at first yeah. the doctors were like dr lowen apparently was like oh maybe it was an animal attack classic Mm, but, classic vampire story animal animal attacks but right he, crazy they're everywhere but he openly tells people you know what no i'm wrong this isn't an animal bite that is a human bite some human attacked him mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. i'm like oh god very spooky and uh, very spooky but she basically chastises our um, our young friends about being in the cemetery 
uh, being anywhere near it, going out alone. She's she's very it's she's immediately established as a very protective character of Bonnie and her friends. She's like two years older, I think. Yeah, she's nineteen. Uh, I just I feel close to Mary, and I commiserate with Mary in a lot of different ways. Yeah, so she makes them say, "Cool, you're not going to be going out at night like some crazy place or whatever," and they're like, "Yeah, okay, yeah. sure." And then Elena's like, so did you see something out there, Bonnie? That night, you said there was something out there. And Bonnie, I can't tell if she's actively trying to be like, nope, I'm not going to talk about it and denying it. Or if she is mm. getting freaked out mm-hmm. because she is like, what are you talking about? Because Bonnie says, I don't know what you're saying. What are you saying? I didn't say anything. And Elena's like, no, yeah. you did. Something came out of your mouth. And Bonnie's like, no, I didn't. And she almost gets mad. So I'm like, is she not remembering? She gets or very, she... she gets very defensive. Yeah. Yeah. And is it like and just I think her she's fear? scared. Mm-hmm. So we don't really know how yeah, much Bonnie knows a, at this point. It was very. That's that's where that's where chapter five ends. Is there's this this kind of defensive small confrontation between them, where both Meredith and Elena are like. Bonnie, you said something. You told Elena something was coming for her, but she's like fighting back tears at the same time. Yeah. And and there's there's a a, a fear. I I mean, it, it came across to me as a, almost like a oh my god, what have I done? type thing. My brain really hooked on to the the idea of her saying I didn't. And mm-hmm. so I'm wondering That's if good. maybe and- she has some idea that something happened to her but she doesn't want to go into it because she because if she thinks about it it's real like how aware was she of something speaking through her yeah yeah she's she's definitely she's she's latched on to kind of the romantic ideas of being a psychic based on based on the way she talks about the things her grandmother told her and like dying young and and beauty very very (laughs) teenage levels of beauty and like oh i could have these powers but when it suddenly becomes real and when it suddenly seems potentially harmful or like she might be offering her body up as a vessel outside of her own control, which is a, a super scary thought, it's hard to know if in that moment she she's fully aware of if she tapped into something or if she's just scared because it was it was a scary event. It was a scary night that happened to them. Yeah. So like, I think we'll see from there. And chapter six, oh boy, another diary entry. I love diary entries. Another day, another diary. Yep. We just get more details about Elena's plan B. We get all the insight about why she planned it out the way she did and why it's going to work for her. And it does. Um, She also mentions that she's been catching stuff and watching her in class. And he's being pretty creepy. Mm. (laughs) Kind of, yeah, yeah, you know? he like stares at her for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. It's just outright sometimes, and she's caught him multiple times. This is also where we get a little bit of conversation with Matt. Um, it seems mm. that Matt was very hurt by the Jean-Claude rumor, and understandably so, because they were still dating. It's and an so illicit if, French affair. Yeah, so if she had this French affair, what does that mean for him? And that's mm-hmm. completely unfair to it's this poor terrible. all-American nice boy. Yeah, it's very terrible, and my heart breaks for Matt. Thankfully, you know, it's it's a rumor and it's it's a lie, but... And she clears yeah, that up. Yeah, she clears that up. I was expecting him to do that thing people do sometimes in, in really in unfair relationships where the victim of something ends up apologizing for not understanding I expected a, I expect him to apologize at some point, and I'm so glad that he didn't. I'm so glad that he stood his ground and said what he believed and said how he felt. And he he says some pretty honest, terrible things to her in that scene. I think we both took mm-hmm. the same quote, which is really telling. He says, you only want everything you don't have. You, you only want everybody and everything revolving around Elena Gilbert. He pierces right to the center of Elena's obsession with Stefan mm-hmm. and, and kind of her, the longing that she talks about in these diary entries. And it, it just breaks my heart. A little bit and it's hard to bear witness as a, the reader to a, a relationship that is so one-sided yeah and i i like though um i agree with everything you just said and i i'm happy that it also in standing his ground it didn't go even further into that other territory that they also tend to do mm. where 
he is so hurt that he says a lot of unfair things, you know? Which he doesn't yeah. do at all. He doesn't yeah. resort to calling her names. He is yeah. just being honest and like, look, this isn't okay. And I'm, this hurts people. And I'm going to let you know that. But he doesn't go into slut shaming her. He's yeah. just very honest and very like upfront about how it makes him feel and how unfair it is. And, you know, maybe she should recognize that she shouldn't treat people like they're disposable. Absolutely. Um, it, he, he, he continues to, I've said this before, I'll, I'll go to my grave saying it. He continues to transcend the stereotypes of a high school quarterback jock. And every step of the turn, I'm falling more and more in love with the character of Matt Honeycutt specifically. Yeah. Donovan Matt from the Honeycutt. show. He's got a lot of <laughs> different bag, but Matt Honeycutt stand up guy. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But it doesn't let him off the, the hook completely because they bring up no. the homecoming dance and your boy is still hooked. He says, you know, there's yep. no one else I really wanted to go with other than you. And since yeah. they're still friends, she says, all right, yeah, let's let's mm -hmm. go together. Apparently their football team is absolutely killing it because they have a superhuman vampire as a tight end, but also Matt is <laughs> apparently an amazing quarterback. I mean, this a lot of this uh, chapter are, are congratulations and the coach talking to him and you know, he's basically got a four-year scholarship in the bag to any college he, he, he might wants. be the next joe montana he might be the next joe what a 90s thing to say i loved it yeah i'm rooting for matt's football career i know it's not I gonna happen i hope he but, gets it but I they're they're doing well and yeah and so there's kind of the the assumption uh and the, i mean i my high school didn't have a homecoming dance but um but there's the there's politics at play there's the extended mm -hmm. metaphor metaphor coming to its natural conclusion with the royalty aspect of elena's position in this school where of course she is to be homecoming queen of course matt is you know to be homecoming king and so there's the expectation that they'll go together regardless of their personal history um and it's kind of sad to have such arbitrary high school politics dictate your you know engagement at a dance but Matt, in his gentle, gentle way, is like, yeah, we'll, we'll go together. And yeah, I'll also play privy to your schemes at <laughs> making sure Stefan attends this high school dance anyway. I'll he help can. you as, as low-key as I can without mm. getting too involved. Without breaking I my still, heart. Further. Yeah, without breaking my heart. And I still care about your happiness. And if Stefan's going to be the person, then yeah. who am I to blow against the wind, as yeah. you would say, Keenan? <laughs> so, uh, I want to circle back briefly before we before we move on. I want to circle back mm -hmm. briefly to the, the, the diary entry at the top of chapter six. Um, there are some key points that uh, Elena brings up in it, one of which time has passed. We are now uh, the, the date at the top of the chapter. It's dated September 26th. So we're, we're well into the school year. Homecoming dance is obviously showing up. Um, the Jean-Claude rumor has been circulating long enough where it's, you know, they have Matt, Matt and Elena have to talk about it. Um, but it's also a, an established entity of Elena's life at this point. But also, Caroline seems to have vanished uh, yeah. as, as, we t as, yeah, as she talks about. She doesn't see her outside of classes. She disappears at lunch. The letter or the diary entry brings up a lot. And um, a lot, and a lot of small, and it's it's nice. It, it gives us the passage of time. It gives us the state of affairs at high school. Um, and I was really, uh, aside from how obsessed hashtag obsessed hashtag teenager Elena is being with Stefan, um, it's interest. It was interesting to see Caroline brought up again. She hasn't been a factor at all in the last few chapters, and so basically since that seventh period uh, uh, confrontation that Stefan and Elena had, but um, but she's on Elena's mind. So then we move forward from that to the actual night of the dance. Hmm, and from that Meredith and Bonnie, yeah, Meredith and Bonnie are at Elena's house helping her get ready. They're all dressed up. They're super excited because they're part of the homecoming court along with Elena. And Bonnie is hilarious and she's got boys on the mind. And they're talking about Matt and how great he's going to look. And she's like, you know, Elena, if you don't want Matt, can I, can I go for him <laughs> straight up dude he's she calls him poetry in motion at the yeah. at the homecoming ga game new fanfic let's go spinoff series bonnie and matt no vampires just a wholesome relationship between two people who deserve each other uh 
It's great. I, I, it's great. I love it. I love Bonnie. I love the way her character's changed. I was really um, interested in how incredibly different her character is from the show, and I thought it might be mm-hmm. a point of contention for me enjoying this version of Bonnie, but so far, she's a home run. I, I'm enjoying every time she talks, every time she brings up her weird psychic grandmother, and every time she just <laughs> says a random thing like like poetry in motion. She's yeah, great. She's a she's great just, foil for Elena. She's just kind so of... hyped. She's so yeah. hyped about everything, and I love it. Especially when you have like another friend like Meredith, who just seems to be like the adult in the room. Like, I wonder, like, does she go here? Does she go to high school at all? It's. <laughs> she, <laughs> I get the sense has, that <laughs> she has Meredith this aura is just about her. To go to college. Yeah, like she's been ready to go to college <laughs> since she was thirteen years old. Like she she hit puberty when she was eight, and immediately was like, "I'm tired of my generation." Um, and a lot of, I think, why I feel so weird about Meredith is because she was a non-entity in the in the, the show. And so everything she we know... She was an actual adult. Yeah, but everything we know about this, the, the character of Meredith, really, is just what we've read. And so she's one of the few completely unpredictable parts of this book series. Yeah. We finally meet Robert, who is Aunt Judith's fiancé. Uncle and to be. he ha- Uncle to be, he sounds like he's a good person, but he has the weirdest comment about like this little Matt, little Margaret is like Elena looks so good, she looks so beautiful. There's a comment about like her namesake, how Elena mm-hmm. comes from Helen, and he's like you know kind of like Helen of Troy, and Bonnie being Bonnie is like yeah. ah yes beautiful and doomed. Beautiful and doomed, the most. <laughs> and he very yeah, he very like seriously goes actually yes. <laughs> It's a very it's a very sweet moment. It's a very sweet introduction to Robert as a character because they they have L J Smith paints the the classic portrait of a dance ensemble as like the three of them come down. I imagine they like come down the stairs in their gowns and ever and like Aunt Judith's waiting with a camera because it's senior year homecoming. These girls have known each other forever, um, and Robert's there, you know, do, being being with the family, being with his his fiance. Um, and he he stands there. He's described as just like open mouth, like awestruck at the natural beauty of Elena specifically. Um, and it's a very tender father figure moment of of pride almost. And then he follows it up with this super weird comment about Helen of Troy that Elena doesn't even acknowledge. She's just like, yeah. and that's not to comment on her relationship with Robert, but she's so focused on this plan. We also don't know what Robert does for a living, if I, I don't remember mentioning. That. Yeah, I wrote in the notes, um, and this is a name drop for a later on in the in the, the show series, but I wrote in the notes that, that that Helen of Troy comment seemed very Alaric-esque. Which, yeah, very uh, history teacher. Yeah, very history <laughs> teacher, very like a little occult crazy, as, as our, our, our dear friend Alaric is. Um, mm-hmm. But that, it which hit me like that. Like, I don't know what he what Robert does. So maybe because the way he accepts Bonnie's comment, it's not like, oh yeah, that's weird. He's just mm-hmm. kind of like, actually yes. He's like, like he there's like a he contemplates like it. He and caught he's just like, 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 like he caught himself off guard. Like he caught himself off guard, and, and it, he it might have been something that he was just thinking, or maybe he's, I don't know. I don't. It's a one. It's a one line yeah. from a character we just met. <laughs> so there's, and we're so like. But ready for a double so... meaning and everything it's <laughs> and then so the the girls dates show up and uh, you know bonnie's just like ready to go before we get into the dance this yeah. is a dare ad <laughs> the, the whole homecoming <laughs> dance again. gentle listeners is an ad for dare oh my goodness um you know we we joked about this last episode, but I mean, the, this would make a ton of sense. This is coming right out of the Reagan era. It's nineteen ninety one. This is <laughs> the this USSR is, is on the brink of collapse. High schoolers all over the world are doing crazy shit. Oh my god! The war on <laughs> on all of so, this. We're getting so we're getting and so deep into it, but. Yeah, well, but it's important to remember <laughs> the place in history that context. We're in. This is in two thousand. Yeah, context yes, of why L.J. Smith wrote this. Yeah, this isn't twenty twenty teens. There aren't cell phones. Immediate. I am immediately on personal a personal level of high alert as soon as our plucky band of heroes 
enters that auditorium. I tell you what, he uh, L.J. Smith has this great descriptor, and I guess it's actually something Elena thinks to herself, but I just had to quote it. The peaceful low gear of the last few weeks was about to slip into high. Unexpectedly profound thought coming from Elena about the the, the copacetic nature of the last couple weeks as as the rumor about Jean-Claude has kind of circulated and Stefan's whole narc thing has kind of circulated as well. So, so she, she acknowledges uh, that, there's a, that there's tension and that it's, it feels palpable and there's something either coming to an end or about to start. So with all of that in mind, we walk into this high school dance and immediately we are told that Tyler Smallwood and his friends are just grossly drunk disgusting like heavy breathing disgusting like ignoring their nastiness dates. well they're immediately they're super swarmed bro-y. too they're immediately yeah, swarmed because up. the homecoming queen and her court have arrived right and and and, and the king don't forget the, the king, king the king and everyone's hyped about the game this is when the coach shows up and he's like patting everyone on the back and being like you and stefan yeah. you got scholarships oh my god <laughs> So everyone's around them and they're like, I, yeah, I imagine like, like a zombie crowd, you know, like everyone's just surrounding them packed. Like a sweaty mess of high schoolers in rented suits trying to get at you. (laughs) And she says that Tyler is like right by her, like heavy breathing in his drunkenness and just grossness. Mm -hmm. Sneaking bottles And she's just like, ugh. Yeah. When yeah. his friend so, Dick, uh, yeah. Dick is like pouring people things and like from like a paper bag. It's very, it's very like early, early drug ads. Like this is your brain on drugs. Where type is he stuff. hiding that paper bag? Yeah. Well, it's, you I know, the, the, laissez-faire, like, the laissez-faire attitude of security at a high school dance <laughs> in the nineties. Who knows where he kept the paper bag? Who knows if half the teachers are also on some illicit substance? Ugh, it's so scummy. In, and in all that, in all that magic. Elena is just looking for Stefan. Oh yeah, she isn't. She and, can't be bothered. And she finds him across the room, of course, <laughs> in this slow motion movie thing. And he doesn't have his glasses on. And she notes that like this is the first time that she's been this close, really, yeah. without him wearing his glasses. And she says that his eyes were green, green as an oak leaf in summer. Oh my god, I. And I'm like, oh, it's such a pretty color. <laughs> I was, I, oh man, yeah. When, as soon as the, the, the color of his eyes were revealed, I was like ready to throw my book across the room. <laughs> I was fully expecting his eyes to be like blood red or <laughs> the crimson gold or some like, or, some. Or even I, something like odd about them. Yeah, like fucking cat eyed or something like that. Like some <laughs> noticeable physic, physical difference that, that made for him to that made him wear the sunglasses all the time but the fact that they're just like pretty green and that it's this big reveal for for her um it's just it's just oh man it's just more of the more of the same she's so obsessed she's so head over heels um but but finally but wouldn't you be but green green eyes are nice (laughs) so your girl is feeling herself she is. She's like, in that moment, she knew she was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. She's standing in front of this beautiful boy, and she looks great. Keep in yeah. mind that when she was getting ready, she kept seeing herself in the mirror, and she's going through this plan, how everything's going to work out. Yeah. It's it's Romeo and Juliet locked eyes at the ball, and the masks come off, and they see each other for the first time. It's that kind of tension. And Elena yeah. is hella vibing with it she's feeling herself she's feeling good she's feeling the room the energy but she also feels a little scared being in front of him now and i quoted this it's kind of a long one so bear with me i'm playing with fire with something i don't understand she thought suddenly and in that instant she realized that she was frightened her heart began to pound violently It was as if those green eyes spoke to some part of her that was buried deep beneath the surface. And that part was screaming danger at her. Some instinct older than civilization was telling her to run, to flee. Oh my goodness. What's up, danger? Muy caliente, dude. This right here, this is that slow motion single camera wide shot in the movie of elena's life that suit jacket his green eyes her crystallized violet dress that she's vibing on so hard i mean 
yeah, it's it's that pure focus mm-hmm. moment, right? Where you you think this is either this is gonna go one of two ways. Could this be it? Could this be the moment? Are they gonna touch? Are they gonna kiss? And then Caroline shows up. <laughs> Carol, keep in mind that whole line. that intensity. <laughs> That intensity that Keenan was like waxing poetic about, that was all in Elena's head. Yeah, all of it. Stefan could be head. anywhere else. He looks pained as fuck. Elena is ready for this to be the defining moment of their relationship, a moment that they'll tell their grandkids about. And then Caroline shows up, and she is this beautiful supermodel in a beautiful gold dress. She is like model perfection next to model Stefan. It's otherworldly. Suddenly, yeah. It's like it, it changes. And then, and Caroline is very condescending, very patronizing, mm-hmm. and is like, oh, you look so good in that dress. Oh, it's almost like I can hear the pat on the head, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, you look and, good. That's a cute, yeah, it's like, that's a cute dress like, for a high school dance, is what yeah, she says. Yeah, and Elena she, is like, pissed. How did I not know that they yeah. were going to come to the dance together? Did Matt know? Did Matt not tell me? Mm-hmm. How is dare... This, is this where Caroline has been going to? Mm-hmm. And Elena is pissed. Mm-hmm. And she is like, okay, cool. I'm going to go to the bathroom. She catches the eye of her friends. And they head over to the bathroom, try to act cool while there are other girls there. Um, and then they mm-hmm. are left alone in this bathroom. And Elena is like, this isn't okay. I, I hate this. Uh, why didn't no one try to tell me that this might be a thing? And her friends start to kind of be like, you know, maybe it's a sign that you need to step away from this you've been really focused Mm -hmm. on this and maybe it's good that you have something else to focus on now that this might not be available to you and she sees this as a complete betrayal and she's like well maybe i don't i need better friends too she says the most hurtful things to these two women Mm -hmm. who are just who've been here for every step of the way and the most telling thing about that exchange is you know that meredith and bonnie are the real fucking deal because they don't bat an eye at all at that insult they're good friends in that mm-hmm. moment. Elena's on the war path and she just leaves her friends behind and she is just is like, I'm going to have a great time. Screw everybody else. And she decides to go off with Tyler's friends. They're dancing up she a storm. Loose. She's like high on these endorphins. She cuts loose. She dances with everybody. Ugh, they crown gross. her, you know, they crown her queen like that. All that's fine. I think that's fine. She cuts loose. She has a great yeah, old time yeah. trying to ignore her friends. She has a good friends. time. She ignores. Um, she shuts out her emotions. She she engages in fun. She gets crowned. Yeah. Homecoming I don't think queen. it's I don't think it's cool that she shut out her friends and like she shuts off off her emotions. But she's trying to have a good time mm. regardless. Um, and she gets yeah. crowned queen. She's rebounding. She's so focused on trying to show her friends that she can have a good time without them and that she doesn't need them that she like is in a daze through like the crowning which she would have enjoyed otherwise. But she leaves the stage after being crowned. She leaves Matt behind and she begins to flirt with Tyler, who is all too ready to like wrap his arms around her and like be this all over fucking her. Fucking walking dare ad, Tyler Smallwood. <laughs> My God, I want to shake him furiously. Um, yeah, it's it's really. I mean, it's it's a scary scenario to read. I mean, she she moves through this dance with such reckless abandon at this point. She's she's a completely adrift, and she wants, like you said, she wants to prove to her friends that she can rebound and have a good time without them specifically. Mm-hmm. And it's um, but she's so, it's it's the it's the. I mean, this is this is we're seeing that that moment of lost that she writes about in her diaries right where this is her just like letting herself lose control and be swept up in this group of of students that she doesn't usually talk to tyler smallwood and all his random drunk friends yeah it's it's it was I mean it's tough to read too you're like you want to yeah i mean you're you're an adult reading this and you want to like <laughs> you see the you know, downward spiral be the voice of reason for all these kids yeah <laughs> and you're I, like yeah we've all been there <sighs> no this looks like fun but i swear it's gonna get old real fast yeah trust me yeah and and tyler's got money he's got a convertible but more uh, but more dangerous than any of that is tyler smallwood's got plans he decides and that's the part that scares the hell out of me he and his friends decide that they're gonna they're gonna blow this dance they're just like you know what this is lame let's go somewhere cooler let's blow this pop stand Let's go to the cemetery. That's cool. What yeah. are some some yeah, the bad most kids intimate gonna place. do? 
let's go to the cemetery yeah. and like let's do whatever the hell we want at the cemetery and everyone's like yeah except for like tyler's mm-hmm. date who's just like um what am i supposed to do and he's just like whatever well she's been she's been completely ignored for the last two and a half hours basically as soon as elena showed up yeah because tyler's just been and- obviously <laughs> just overcome with drunken emotion with uh, in the presence of elena and elena elena is just like on this high of all this attention she's getting and she's like yeah cool let's go and they hop mm-hmm. into tyler's car and she hears somebody call her from behind like in the back in the school it might be matt who's like calling after her she doesn't care nobody she cares doesn't care. a, she's yeah it's a group of drunken kids and they're speeding off to the cemetery with this top like this convertible with its top down it's like every mm-hmm. teenage like bad boy scenario it's dangerous and, uh, and it's kind of exciting it's, it's exceedingly dangerous i mean we don't need to talk about the whole drunk driving thing thank god that wasn't an issue thank god that by the end of this chapter they make it to the cemetery which is whew, you know you're not you're not sweating that out as bad as that is but it's yeah it's all so it's so reckless and some it's emotionally reckless and you just want to as i've been saying you just want to shake elena be like stop it yeah acknowledge your emotions apologize to your friends just don't get in the car with tyler small one (laughs) don't do this just deal with your emotions it's gonna be better do it i don't want to yell about it but um but yeah they blow the pop stand elena and these soggy bottom boys uh, to yeah. go to mysterious, more intimate pastures. And of course, what's more intimate when you're in high school in Virginia than a graveyard? <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, so, it's so great. What could possibly go wrong well, mere weeks after a homeless man was drained of all his blood less than a, a foot away from the graveyard entrance? Yeah. So oh, I, man. We'll, we'll, I'm sure that we'll find out what happens in the cemetery next mm-hmm. time. And that's the end of that chapter. But... I did want to point yeah. out one tiny, tiny thing that I thought was interesting. There is a random passing by mention of one of the girls that's in this group with Tyler and his friends who gets into the car with them, too. And her name is Vicki Bennett. And that is a combination of two people because in the show, Bonnie's last name was Bennett, not McCullough. And Matt donovan had a younger sister older sister named vicky um and so far we don't we don't know that matt has any siblings certainly no siblings that go to school with them because i feel like that would have been mentioned but who knows yeah we would know about it um but i'm wondering if this is where they were like ah let's just get this character because vicky was hanging around with tyler and who was like getting drunk and doing drugs and yeah it seems like they've 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 kind of taken this random character and 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 spliced up her identity and her and gave her name to the Bonnie they constructed in the show Bonnie Bennett, and Vicky becomes this. Uh, she's she in the show. She's a, a kind of a dropout, a drug addict, and she ends up in a very intimate relationship with another fake character created for the show, that of Elena's kid brother Jeremy, yeah. who's like a grade or two beneath her in high school, mm-hmm. who ends up infatuated with Vicky, and that's a whole. But it yeah. was—I mean, I remember reading that—that that little. Oh wow, Vicky Bennett. Yeah. I'm sure she won't be important to the story, but that's interesting to see where those names come from. I'm wondering if Vicky Bennett is going to be more present now that she's been given a name, or if she'll just be one of those names that keeps popping up in the background. Yeah. Yeah, um, it'd be interesting if, you know, Vicky Bennett has a couple lines in the next chapter while they're while they're cavorting around in this graveyard. But L.J. Smith drops names of these high school students like it's going out of absolute style. And it, I think it's just her, you know, building out this world of the high school. So especially since this is uh, a, the beginning of a, of a, a very large book series. Um, so maybe all these characters come back around, but I mean, ba- just based on the show alone, the Vampire Diaries spans like six years of these. Pe- or no, even more than that, because there's a time jump late in the se- late in the in the TV show, but it spans like a decade of these characters' lives. And on that note, that concludes <laughs> <laughs> these two chapters of the Vampire Diaries. 
Um, oh boy, what a banger chapter six was. <laughs> don't do drugs, kids. Don't drink at high school dances. Um, don't go to graveyards. Period. Unless you're there to just you're there to mourn. Don't do blood pack. At me on Twitter, <laughs> uh, at KeenanMF, if you want to talk further about all of this, or if you want to yell at me for getting something wrong, <laughs> I'm ready for it. I'm ready for the fight. I get a lot of things wrong. So that's it's, where you can uh, find Keen on Twitter. You can find me. I guess so. You can find me at Ivy Del Toro on Twitter. If you want to start a fight with Keenan over things he gets wrong, uh, you can do that over Twitter, or you can send us an email at breakfastpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. And Please thanks do. for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. My, if I made a blood pact every time I thought a boy was cute, I'd be out of blood. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs>